And now for another amazing episode of the Pop Zara Podcast. Welcome back to the Pop Zara Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Evans, managing editor of PopZara.com. Uh, here with a special special episode today about love, loss, and renewal. And that means we are talking with the father-son duo of Dick and Phil Wall, husband and mother, to the late author Carol Wall, whose 2014 memoir, Mr. Oita's Guide to Gardening, How I Learned the Unexpected Joy of a Green Thumb and Open Heart, published in early 2014. It was an immediate critical and commercial success. Sadly, it was a success its creator would not live to see. Carol passed away in December 2014, just nine months after its publication. And now there is renewal. Let me just welcome uh, Phil and Dick Wall to the podcast. Thank you guys for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks this a lot. And uh, first, me, let me just say I'm sorry for your loss, as watching the film we'll be talking about here in a second, uh, Carol seemed like an extraordinary person and who had just as much to give to the world through her literature as she did through your family. And I'm very happy because I think anyone who watches the film, The Bookkeeper, will feel like they know her even if they haven't read the book. Would you think that's an accurate portrayal? Yeah, Nathan, this is Phil uh, for your audience. Um, yes. I, I uh, Yeah, I, I think um, one of the wonderful things for, for me about the film um, is, is that it is a, a way um, for people to get to know my mom. And I definitely set out to tell her story. Um, and the, the film, though, is not really... You know, it's not eulogizing her. It is carrying her message forward uh, through the story of of my dad and the trip, the the journey that I've taken with him. So I, I'm happy to hear you say that you feel like you get to know mom through the film, because um, from from my perspective, she felt like in the end, an active part and participant in telling this story uh, that occurred after uh, after she died. Yes, and this question specifically for Father uh, Dick Wall. And again, thank you for joining us. You are essentially the lead in the film, and you are the one who has undertaken the book tour in place of Carol. And I do have some questions regarding that. How did it feel to have to sort of take on the challenge of promoting a book that you were peripherally involved with, which we can get into in a second, but just not only not only promote the book, but to sort of promote Carol's memory to audiences around the country. She signed this publishing contract in 2000, late 2010, early 2011, and uh, we had no idea kind of what we were in for with uh, Penguin. Now Penguin Random House uh, mm. editor is, is Amy Einhorn is a superstar. She did the help in 2009, mm -hmm. and so, and this was Carol's first book. So, and so, when she started out with with the editor and started producing the man, what ended up to be the finished manuscript after several iterations, I was on the periphery very much. I was making sure the dog didn't get in her way and bringing her mm. coffee and maybe maybe editing a little, reading a little bit at night, not really editing, but reading and we would talk about it. And then in 2012, she got sick. She got sick again. Yeah. She had breast cancer twice. She had big surgery 2004, 2005. So 2012, we discovered a metastasis and she had some more surgery and this 
surgery after surgery and uh, it became necessary for for me to be more involved uh, with her and with the agent and with the editor. And so by the time she died in December 2014, the book had come out in March 2014, and they had uh, kind of kicked us out of the hospital saying, we can't do anything for you here. You need to go home and call a hospice pretty much. And that's what we did. But, but meanwhile, she is wishing that she could go out and promote the book and she never got to go out even one time and so after she died the agent called me and said somebody has to get on the road here this thing has legs and it could last a long time but it won't last any time if you don't get out and do something because by that time this would have been this late winter early spring 2015 we had uh you know the book been out almost a year and mm-hmm. in the business, it, from from publication date, there's a six month sprint, and we weren't sprinting anywhere. Mm-hmm. And what was going to happen to her? So it was not totally unexpected. Uh, what was unexpected, for as far as my involvement goes, is that the agent, who's very uh, iconic agent, Marley Russo, represents Pat Conroy among others. But uh, she said, "You got to do this." You got to start right now. Don't tell me you can start in six months or a year. We need to start this right now. And so that's how I kind of got into it and uh, took a lot of coaching from Marley and a lot of coaching from Kathy Bennett, who was the publicist that we hired to help us put this thing together. So it was quite a journey and unusual for somebody who didn't write the book to be able to get into a room to talk actually that was that, that was the first that was the first task yeah i do have a question for for both of you real quick because there's a there's a quote in the movie and i think dick it's from you where you say talking about carol you said because she's in that liminal space things that should have happened didn't happen and now it fell to us and which of course you just described but my question is was Carol able to experience any of that reception before she passed away, being that she w- she was alive for nine months while the book was published? But did she get to experience any of that success? And if she did, if you could, was there any particular event that you mind sharing? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I'd actually moved my office home uh, when we came home from the hospital in April. And she was in the bedroom upstairs that we turned into the sick room, and my office was downstairs. She would have occasional phone conferences with the editor and the agent. One thing that I recall specifically was that the agent was able to get a full-page story in People magazine right after publication, which is a huge deal. I mean, she was very proud of herself, which she should have been. But I can remember that... I I brought the magazine to Carol and the mailman was going up and down the street delivering a lot of people getting people magazine and we could hear people and she could hear people uh, sharing her joy. So that was uh, pretty touching, but she never was, she never was able even to leave the room until she died in December. That's how sick she was. I'm sorry about that. Going back to to Phil for a second, uh, for those who don't know, Phil is actually, you are an acclaimed filmmaker, documentary filmmaker. And my question to you is, because I didn't quite get this from the film, perhaps it's because it's so effective, 
is from what I learned is that you never started this film as a documentary in this way that originally you were shooting footage of your mother for something for promotional materials. If you don't mind, how did that evolve from that into the project it became? Well, so initially the the footage, like you said, was trying to capture material to help promote the book as it came out and promote my mom as a speaker. Um, and and it didn't happen that way. Mm. So once dad started getting on the road and doing some of these events, you know, I've, I've done some feature film work. I do client work for nonprofits and brands. And so I was, again, shifting into I'll go out and I'll capture some stuff of dad and we'll make some videos again that will help promote this book and keep this dream alive. And what happened to me was I went to some of these events with that goal and people walked up to me afterwards and they shared their loss, who they, who, you know, their mom, their sister, their friend, whoever it was. And I was completely blown away by how much that helped me to have this grief share with a complete stranger. And so it was really at that point that I started thinking something really special and powerful is happening here. And I say this with, uh, I, I hope it, it comes through that, that with a lot of humility, um, because we were, you know, I lost my mom and other people had too. But here I was being asked on a regular basis to speak about it. And is on my mind all the time and I know is on the minds of other people, but they are invited and given this platform to go and talk about it. And so I felt that I wanted to make a film that would capture the story in a way that would really honor those grief shares and mimic that exchange to sort of spark that and other people, you know, after the credits roll. And I've seen that as, you know, we did the festival tour, we did a limited theatrical release um, uh, uh, nationwide, and I had a chance to visit with a lot of audiences. And those conversations after the film, there were questions, you know, about the filmmaking and stuff, but a lot of it was about um, loss and about how as a community, we we grieve and how we um, mourn you know grief is the internal it's the individual it's the pain and mourning is is the external it's the social uh i i i'm gonna paraphrase a poet i i'm not remembering her name right now but mourning is the wind that blows us in a new direction and the bookkeepers is a film that follows that process of you, you said renewal mm -hmm. it is sort of observing this wind being you know uh, uh lifting us in a new direction because dad is out there telling the story over and over and over and he is uh creating new meaning each time and then i you know am observing this and in my own way, doing the same thing through through the filmmaking um, process. Yes. In going back to Dick for a second on that subject, um, there's 
a scene in the film. It's also in the uh, it's also in the trailer for the film, where when they're introducing you, Dick, to speak, uh, the narrator says, "Unfortunately, Carowell is unable to join us today," and she introduces you, and then it's at that point the audience learns that Carol passed away. And my question is, um, given given the proximity of the book tour to the passing to Carol's passing, which uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but uh, this the footage filmed was was during the original book tour of 2015. So okay. this so this would have still been both of you are still in the grieving process. But where most people have time to grieve, you're embarking on a book tour. And so I, I imagine that the footage we see is capturing not just uh, not just the process, but also sort of the the evolution of of how both of you have grieved through the process. But my first question is, how do audiences respond when they learn that Carol passed away? Do they is this the is it usually the when they hear it when Dick speaks for um, the first time? I think most of the time they the events that we uh, the best events that we had were maybe church groups, hospice groups, women's club, where they were able to do some publicity before the event. And so I believe that everyone who bought a book, bought a ticket, chose to come to the event, already knew that. And so there's there's a lot of discussion about both loss, and like Phil said, people saying, this happened to me, what do you think about this? And what I learned was is it's a very individual experience. Uh, and people would ask me, how do you do this? Does, isn't this upsetting for you? And my answer to that for me, and again, a very individual, you know, C.S. Lewis's terrific little book, A Grief Observed, he makes a point of saying that the indefinite article is a grief observed. It's not grief observed. He's, it's not an academic piece. It's his own grief observed as he lost his wife. And so for me, my answer to the people who said, isn't this upsetting for you was, you know, it's not like I don't think about this all the time. Hmm. It doesn't remind me of anything that I'm not thinking about every waking moment almost anyway. Uh, and and people who ha who have suffered a lot of people who have suffered catastrophic losses will tell you the same thing. And even right now, closing in on uh, eight years in December, eight, eight. closing in on eight years in December, uh, you know, not a day goes by that this does not touch me in some way. And I'm sure Phil would say the same thing. Bill, regarding the um, regarding the decision to turn the footage into a documentary that documents this um, this change, as you watched your father speak on your mother's behalf, I just had a quick question for you um, about the grieving process for you. Um, again, I don't want to spoil anything, mm -hmm. but during the film, we start it, it starts off more almost therapeutic, but by the end of it, and Dick, forgive me for saying this, but there's almost a joyful sort of celebration of Carol's life that emerges from the conversations that you have on every bookstop. And my question to you is towards the towards the end of this, the tour, how did you both come out of this? I don't want to say positively, but how did you both come out of this as the perspective of your mother's book? Whereas this is uh, if you hadn't embarked on this tour with your father, this would have been your mother promoting the book, correct? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I wish I didn't have a film um, about this. Uh, I wish that mom was alive and that she got to, uh, you know, pick her fruit and that she was working on her next book. And that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, you asked about the grieving process. Uh, it, it's the film captures the film captures a, an attempt at, at, mm-hmm. at processing, you know, and, and that and that is ongoing. It's still I'm still attempting to do that. And it's a practice. Right. And and it's something that I think that storytelling has a has a has a lot to do with doing that and being able to um, to find, as, as you put it, sort of that positive energy. You know, we talked about just a minute ago, the wind that carries us in a new direction. Mm-hmm. How do we create that momentum? How do we accept that momentum? And early on, the film that I wanted to make um, was about those last months of my mom's life and how painful that was and the blow by blow of maybe she's going to make it, maybe she's not. And as I continued to work on the project, you know, the the bulk of the material is shot between 2015 and 2017. And I would edit as I'd go along. The themes of um, embracing plan B and um, um, accepting affliction and um, those things started really to shine through. And those were the themes that are in mom's book and of course in dad's talk. And then I started to see how he was um, living those out. And so when I went through my own iterative process of editing the film. I really started to think about what I want for myself to be thinking of in 10 years. And what do I want the audience who watches the film in 10 years to take away? And it wasn't that uh, those final few months of mom's life and that feeling of being robbed. It was this, um, you know, this beautiful, beautiful world that we live in that also incorporates losing loved ones mm-hmm. and legacies that we each uh, leave and values that we instill and things that we carry forward. And um, and that's what the film kind of the story became about. It was more about capturing that very unique and special uh, love uh, between my parents um, between uh, you know me and my siblings for our parents and you know just for our whole family and so it just became this question of what are the values that I think are worthy of of uh, encapsulating in, in a film uh, why am I going to ask someone to sit here for 90 minutes and it's not and I decided that it was was that I was going to let mom and dad do the talking you know and and take a back seat and really just reveal the lessons, the life affirming lessons that I learned through both of them. My big question, uh, again, the central theme of the bookkeepers is about a book. It's about a book that your mother wrote. And as we, you know, as we mentioned before, uh, the full name is 
you know, full title, Mr. Owita's Guide to Gardening, How I Learned the Unexpected Joy of a Green Thumb and an Open Heart. But your film, Phil, much to its credit, doesn't really get into the content of the book very much, but uses it as a sort of a springboard. And I, I do want to talk about the book just for a moment, because I do think, uh, again, it's a point you make in the film about uh, the garden that Carol is tending uh, with Miss Rowita becomes a metaphor for herself and her and her life. But I think that's evident in the film as well. And forgive me if I'm off base for, for trying to connect this. Um, but when, you know, I just finished the book myself this weekend and I, I really appreciated it. And but I but the thing is, when your your mother is going through her remission with her breast cancer and she meets a gardener and I'm not going to spoil the plot for anybody. You have to read the book yourself. We'll put a link in there for you. Uh, but, you know, it, it 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 does conclude in a way I think anybody who's read the genre can probably can probably guess. But my question to you is, given given the plot of the book and given the way your, your film plays out, um, my impression my impression was that your mother's life, her book, and your film are sort of intertwined now, that they seem inseparable from each other, because even though they are separate genres and separate media types, I think they work, they function together more powerfully than they could have individually. I don't, I don't know if, if I'm out of, out of lines for saying that, but is that how you felt? Uh, did either of you feel that way when you looked at what you were doing in the well, promotion? I could say that is what I hoped, and it's so nice to hear you say that. Um, I didn't want to to make a film that was a retelling of the book because my mom did such a good job telling that story, you know, and uh, and I felt it was really powerful to capture the contemporaneous events of what my dad was doing, and and of course those themes in the book are the themes that guide us through this journey and that's my dad telling his story to audiences and then me uh um reflecting on on my own perspective through the film mm -hmm. dad do you want to add to that yeah i i think that it is really significant and you nathan you really put your finger on it i think when i would go out and and talk about the book and go to these groups. Mm -hmm. You have a little lunch before and I'm sitting there eating the salad at the table of people and people always say, what's the book about? Well, what they really mean is when they say, what's the book about? They mean, why should I choose this book instead of all the other books that happen to be in, this, in the bookstore? What stands out about this same thing for phil's movie what's it about what is the a, a great piece of literature or a great film i think it strikes uh, there there's a poet philosopher martin nepo and he calls it a a common holy moment it it, it leaves the reader or leaves the viewer of the film saying oh man i get this now i get it mm. And so what this is about, what the book is about and what the film is about, and, the, and both, you've seen them, you've seen the film, you've read the book. Mm -hmm. They both have surprise endings, completely unrelated to each other, <laughs> but they, they have surprise endings. But, and they have common themes, the, the common themes being what she says 
what Carol says, what you do, she said that Giles taught her what you do when the script you've written from your, for your life does not pan out. How do you graciously slip into plan B? That's what she did. And when I'm going out talking about this, after three or four weeks of it, I'm saying like, geez, I'm plan B. I'm walking plan B. I'm not going to be here, right? So that's the first theme. The other theme is when Giles says in the book, every day brings something good. It did not take me long in the process. And maybe all of the speaking and all of the interaction with people who had suffered similar losses, it did not take me long to conclude that, uh, you know, my, my life will never be the same again after this. It will never be the same again. But that being said, I think what she taught me, what I learned from her, was that just because it will never be the same again does not mean that it has to be terrible every day. In fact, it can be very rich. Well, uh, in the film, in the film, uh, you quote, you know, we actually hear from Carol herself where she talks about her relationship with Giles. And, and I quote, you know, that Giles traveled 7,000 miles to teach me that the ground in winter looks awful gray and yellow, hard as brick, but holds a thousand lovely seeds. And Phil, in the film, you you make a point to catalog where your father is. You actually give us how many miles he is from home. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't help but feel that sort of metaphorical that almost in a way, and forgive me, I'm going to be off base here again, mm-hmm. but in Dick, in a way, it almost presents you as the Carol character, is that you're going through the grieving process. You're the one who's lost, but you eventually transform into sort of the teacher. You become the one spreading this and spreading not just the hope of Carol's book, but the idea that everyone has loss and you can relate to everyone can relate to sort of the experience you're going through in some way. Am I off base? No, you're right on target. <laughs> Woo, passed the test. But uh, yeah. I actually heard um, I was at a screening in Winston-Salem a couple months ago and, and someone said um, they described it the other way, which was fun. They mm. um they basically said that I use dad as my Giles mm-hmm. um, and that and that the film is, of course, from my perspective and I'm using dad's wisdom and kind of picking and choosing what I think is the most important. And that is revealing about about me. Um, so I, I I mean, I sort of I don't really have an opinion. I agree. I can see both <laughs> both ways, um, but it's it's really fun to to um, see that uh, it's interpreted in different ways, you know, um, it's important to see that. Well, in the, in the film, Dick, you, uh, you show the audience uh, the cane that's mentioned in the book, where, that cane that Giles gives Carol. And, you know, you can't help but think, of, again, of metaphors when, you know, Giles gave the cane to give to Carol's mother, and then eventually the cane goes back to Giles, then eventually the cane goes back to Carol. In a way, Phil, that is your film, is that you, you know, you have many roles, you know, both as your your mother's son and sort of her chronicler of this journey. So in a way, we, you know, we all play that different role. But it, again, it goes back to the idea of of rebirth and revitalization in a way that's the garden itself, isn't it? It's 
it's all mucky and muck, but eventually through work, it becomes transformed into something prettier. Yeah, yeah, you know, one of our final, one of our last conversations between myself and my mom, she she asked me, um, she said, you take care of our book. And she used that, you know, she used the word our. Um, uh, it made sense that our family was going to um, pitch in and help the book. I spent many hours with her in her study, helping with the book and listening to her talk about it. But that that request of you take care of the book, it wasn't very specific, right? And so it required like the garden to sort of get your hands dirty and have a vision, but be open to what, how the world will reveal itself. And I think that that's how she framed her story uh, in, in her book. And I think that that's how the film works as well. Um, it's it's revelatory both for myself and I think for, for my dad. And if you don't mind me going back to the idea of promotion for a second, uh, the, the footage that you shot for the film, Phil, was in 2015. And here we are in 2022. And the film's about to be released on streaming and on DVD. And we'll put links where you can get that. But here we are, here we're going through it again, where once again, you and your father, Dick, are promoting this material. And my question to you is, how does that feel go, having to go through the process again, but this time with separation between it? Because again, it's been it's been several years since the last time you promoted this heavily. But it's it's both it's thrilling and it's humbling. If you think about where this started, kind of an unintentional feature documentary film, and just um, and to where it is, you know, we award-winning film on the festival circuit, 15 festival selections, um, Academy qualifying, uh, nationwide theatrical release, um, and now we have the we're streaming on Apple TV and. Prime Video and DVDs coming in November, and we have a great partner for distribution and first-run features. And so it's just a really fantastic outcome for a project at this of this scale. And and um, you know it is almost impossible to avoid comparing my t- touring this summer to some of these theaters to my dad's tour with the book and um you know there were some big crowds there was some really you know there were some rooms of of one or two people um and but all of it was so meaningful you asked sort of earlier about um the impact this has had on the grief um and the loss and you know it's impossible for me to separate or imagine my life without having this outlet to speak about my mom, to speak about the feelings and thoughts that come up, to hear other people do the same thing with me, to have other people do that with me. And so it's both professionally and personally extremely rewarding. And then, uh, you know, it's been emotional, very emotional at times because it kind of brings up that, uh, um, that feeling of, you know, I wish she was here. You know, sometimes something, something, I'll get great news about something and I'll think, ah, I'm going to call mom. Even though it's news about the film that is telling this story um, and that's still, still there. And, uh, and you know, I don't, I don't want that to go away. 
Regarding the promotion of the film, I just have two quick questions. Um, will you be, uh, Phil and, and Dick, are you, will you be promoting the film together or is it more of a separate thing this time around? Um, except on this podcast, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> except, yeah. you know, present company accepted. Yeah, da- we, we've done a few things together on the film festival circuit and then we've done some of the theatrical. Dad was with me in Los Angeles. Um, and uh, when we had a few screenings there in June, um, we did a few in Michigan together. So, yes, we are doing some things together. We're also doing things separately. Um, I just had uh, uh, we just had our first baby. Uh, oh, baby congratulations. Boy. Thank you. Uh, and so my schedule for uh, the next little bit is pretty unpredictable. And uh, dad has been able to step in and, and do some of you know, he's available for for some of these interviews and um, he's certainly uh, the subject of the film. And let's not forget, he's also a collaborator. He's the executive producer and creative collaborator on the film. Um, and uh, so, Dad, I don't know if you want to if you want to kind of talk about what it's like for you to be speaking uh, about the film these days. Well, I had this I had this ongoing <laughs> dialogue. Yeah with uh, my children over the last eight years, I guess, because, uh, you know, go back to my conversation with the agent after Carol died, and then everything that I was trying to do then, and some of this, Phil captures some of this, I guess we could call it some tension in the Mm -hmm. film, is, you know, we're we're trying to sell these things. We're trying to sell books. That's the point of, of the, that's one of the points of the whole thing. And so when when he came up with the idea of this film and and, and asking me for permission and assistance, you know, from the from the standpoint of a book promoter under these unusual circumstances, of course that's a great and I and I know that it will he would be true to the message and we're not gonna have any problems with the creative product. So from that point of view, being the person who's responsible for maximizing the value of this literary product, you know, that's, that's a pretty, it's a good situation and it's, and it's rewarding and uh, it's very personally rewarding. Let's put it that way. Uh, Yeah. For, for our son to be responsible for this, you know, it's a pretty neat story. Yeah. You know, it's, we really can't talk about the end of either one. <laughs> no, no, wait, you have to, no spoilers. But uh, I will say this, though, towards the end, Dick, it was kind of thrilling to watch you, as I mentioned before, you sort of come into your own as a promoter. But it was actually kind of thrilling. And Phil, I think a lot of credit goes to you in capturing this, is watching your dad sort of become excited about the sales and about what he can do to strategize the sales with Amazon. Because I know, Dick, in researching you, I found out, you know, you're you're heavily invested in basketball, and yes. of course, and so are you, Phil. And yeah, yeah. and to see sort of that come out in your own way, like, well, how can I synergize this together? And that's that's pretty, like I said, it's very entertaining to watch, and and it 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 definitely it definitely fits in with the rest of the film very well. Before we start closing out here, I do want to ask a question uh, regarding sort of the legacy of where things go from here, because again, I I did mention that I thought that. The content of the book, um, both Carol's life and the book as a memoir and the film are sort of intertwined. But going forward uh, with the film, you're going to get a lot more attention for the book itself. 
And you probably know better than I do that every book written today gets a movie somewhere. Everything becomes an adaptation because there's three million streaming services out there. But the story itself is one of those rare literary phenomenons where the story of the book itself is threatens to overshadow the book. I'm sure you're familiar with the story of like Confederacy of Dunces, like that has its own separate life as a publication story. If this movie is as successful as I think it will be, and there's more attention paid to Carol's story, and that you don't have to reveal anything unless it's really good news, has there been talk of a film based on Carol's book going forward? Uh, there's certainly been talk of a film in our house. Uh, <laughs> um, and I think uh, that is something that that down the line would make sense. I know that the agent, mom's agent, has has a film agent out there, and and it's certainly kind of in the mix. And I've also had a, a, a few people mention to me about adapting the documentary, this the the documentary into uh, a scripted uh, narrative feature. So you know, in, in terms of in terms of, of legacy, for now, uh, I'm I'm looking towards you know continuing to make films and projects that are meaningful. And I think certainly, the story that's in Mr. Owita's Guide to Gardening is one yeah. that would be meaningful. It would be a meaningful project, but it would have a an, a positive impact on on other people. And so and so does the bookkeepers, and and so would an adaptation of, uh, of our story, you know, the, the publication story. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a wild business, right? I'm sure you've, you've oh, yeah. come to know that. So it's, it's so much of it's about momentum and, uh, you never know where that's going to come from or when it's going to happen, but, you know, kind of better hang on when it does. Well, I mean, certainly, uh, certainly you've got your foot out there. Well, both of you have got your feet out there. It's just there's so many different types of medium this could be adapted further into. And I think that plays into the metaphor of the garden again, is that it's it's adaptable because it's universal and not just for your mother and Carol, but for anybody reading this. They, we've all experienced loss in some way. And I think they can find comfort in this story that they know that tomorrow there's going to be something tomorrow. And uh, if I can just close it out with a quote from, from Dick in the film itself, and, you know, there's a line when he says, you know, is the insidious palace lie that we get over the most serious losses in our lives? Is that good news, bad news, or both? I think it's both. And I think that's really the, whatever you feel the end of the film is, I don't really think there is an end, if you look at it more open-ended, that it just continues. And uh, I don't know if there's any final thoughts either of you have to say before we head out. I would just say thank you and uh, that uh, I, I appreciate you having us. And, and I think that it's important that we do tell these stories um, that are about loss and grief, the stories that are that are hard to tell and that we kind of do our best to, to model um, to model that uh, for, for other people and for ourselves that we're keeping up the practice. So I do think, as you said, that. It, it, the ending of both the book and the film are, are open to interpretation in some mm -hmm. regard. Um, and I hope that that uh, allows people to bring themselves to each project and uh, spark something, spark some healing and some sharing. Yes. And Dick, did you have, uh, did you have any final thoughts before we headed out? Yes, I really enjoyed talking with you. You were a great interviewer. Mm -hmm. I liked the your observations about the story, about the book and the film, and enjoyed this very much. 
Well, thank you. And I, I do have a request, though, if they do if they do a adaptation of your film, Phil, I do hope that uh, Dick gets to play himself because he's very <laughs> because he's very engaging and he has that sort of jocularity that is missing from a lot of adaptations. It's very entertaining. And with that, I want to close out by saying special thank you to our duo of guests today, uh, Mr. Mr. Dick Wall and Phil Wall, both the star, writer, producer, editor, if I missed out, filmmaker. There's lots of titles going around for yes. the new film, The Bookkeepers, which releases to streaming on, well, chronologically, I think today. So okay. when you hear this, you will be able to watch it. No waiting. But if you have to wait, you can purchase it on DVD at the end of November. We'll put a link to that in there. And I want to thank everybody for joining us on the Pop Sarah podcast. And again, tomorrow's a new day. Make the most of it. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Pop Zara podcast. Remember to like, follow, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app or service.